Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 290 with Steve Sims. This is a fun conversation and a little bit different in which we dig into how Steve makes amazing, impossible, or so it seems things happen for his clients at Bluefish. So you'll learn one, how Steve got the Pope to drop by and bless his client's wedding, two, the magic question that unleashes possibilities, and three, how relationships are much like oak trees. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F290. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I recommend you check out some of our cool stuff. One of the coolest of things is over at another website. It's doistayorgo.com. And that is the home of the upcoming course about whether or not you should stay or go from your current role. And so for a limited time, we have a completely free assessment that lets you get to the bottom of which dimensions drive the most happiness at work for you. Is it flexibility? Is it time load? Is it prestige? Whatever it may be, you can see what is on the top and what's on the bottom of your factors over at doistayorgo.com. Now, here is Steve's story. Steve Sims is the visionary founder of Bluefish, the world's first luxury concierge company that delivers the highest level of personalized travel, transportation, and cutting-edge entertainment services to corporate executives, celebrities, professional athletes, and other discerning individuals interested in living life to its fullest. He's been invited to speak to MBA students at Harvard twice. He's spoken at the Pentagon, has been featured in major media all around the world, from the Sunday Times and the China Post to the Wall Street Journal. You can learn more about him at stevedsims.com. Big thanks to Steve for sharing his wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Steve. Steve, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you've got so many interesting tales with your clients and uh, extraordinary experiences that folks have had. So I was most intrigued if I could hear the tale behind how you got a client to get married in the Vatican by the Pope. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I, get some, I get some strange ones. Um, and I had a client that just said he only planned on getting married once and he wanted to do it. In the uh, at the top sh- uh, top shelf level, um, so I asked him. I actually flew into uh, Europe and I asked him, you know, what does that mean? And he went, "I'd love to get married in the Vatican." Um, so we then had to do it. And bottom line of it is, uh, we had no idea what we were doing. In fact, I will, I will wholeheartedly say that I have no idea of what I'm doing ninety percent of the time. Um, I just make steps to find what needs to be done quickly. And in this situation, I knew some powerful people in Europe. I knew some powerful people in uh, Italy. So I just started reaching out. I went out on shaking the bush to find out if anyone had any leads, spoke to uh, a, a, a very important family in Florence. And I said to them, look, you know, I want to I want to do this in the Vatican. But like everything I do, I want to see if I can push it further. I want to see how far I can do it. And they said, well, what you need is you need someone to introduce you. Believe it or not, it's very, very, very cheap to get married in the Vatican. All right. But you have to have someone allow you to do it, and that's the problem. And along the way of getting people to allow you to do it, those are the people that cost the money. So 
it's like most things. You know, you want to go down in the Formula One race in Monaco with uh, Ferrari. Um, the tickets literally say on them like one euro. But, you know, you can spend thousands upon tens of thousands to get those tickets. The Oscars have zero price on them, but they're very expensive if people if people sell them on. So it's usually the people that get you the ability to have a yes that are more expensive than the venue itself. Um, I spoke to these people in Florence. They said, we know some people who know some people, and uh, we started on the ladder of getting in. Um, as soon as we knew we had the opportunity for the Vatican, we wanted to find out what chapel we could use. As soon as they show you what chapel we can use, you push it and you go, is there another, is there an alternative we could look at? And you just push it and push it until you're basically in the end of the road and you get the best possible chapel. Well, this would be fantastic. Um, I have to approach this subject, and it may sound silly, but what are the opportunities, or this is a, this is a better way of putting it, what needs to happen in order for the Pope to actually do the ceremony himself. So you learn the lesson very quickly in my job. Never ask a question that they can answer a yes or no to. All right. Unless that's the answer you want. No is the easiest word in the planet. Every language in the, in the world can say no. Um, it's short, easy, and nine times out of ten, the knee-jerk reaction for every question you ask that's even slightly out of the realm of normality. Yeah. So... Don't ask a question where they can give a gut response with no. Okay, I'm on the edge of my seat. So you said, what has to happen? And what did you hear and what happened? Yeah, so it was uh, it was kind of like, well, you need to get permission. So I went back asking people, how do I get permission? Um, and then you had to do the walk of the Vatican. You had to visit the certain areas of the Vatican to make sure it could happen. And then the uh, the chapel was chosen. The ceremony commenced halfway through the ceremony. The Pope walks in and blesses them mid-ceremony, and then leaves. Um, and the funny thing is, no photography was allowed for the event. Gotcha. Intriguing. Yeah. So what were the steps that led to the Pope getting the message? And by the way, which Pope? Francis, the current one. Oh, the current Pope. Okay, cool. Pope Francis. So how does he get the memo, and how is he inclined to say yes? Well, I'm a great, I'm a great believer in two things. Um, no one ever got on the roof without climbing a ladder. So I, I literally will have everyone be a run of that ladder to get me to where I want to go. Um, and as we all know, ladders start at the bottom, which is one step. Um, I'm using that analogy to make it simple so people realize very quickly, if they haven't already, there's no super intelligence on the other side of this podcast. Um, <laughs> it's just real. It's an I can over an IQ. Um, and I won't allow the fact that it's never been done before to be of any significance to the conversation whatsoever. So I will ask someone who knows more than me, how would you go about it? What would need to happen? You would perceive for this to happen. How would you go about this step? And you ask five people that, and you usually find there'll be a commonality between, say, two or three of the answers. And then you go, oh, can you help me? Can you introduce me to that person? If I go in cold, they're going to go, well, who are you? I want to avoid all that conversation. Can you contact them as someone that knows me and goes, hey, Steve Sims, stylingly good-looking man, perfect place for podcasts. Can you help him? Um, and nine times out of ten, I get other people to introduce me to that person. And in fact, I would say it's probably my secret source. That way it allows more people, when I reach out to them, they go, yeah, Bobby was telling me that you sent people down to the Titanic and you do this without John. How can I help you? And you go, I'm glad you asked that question. 
this is what I'm looking for. And sometimes you'll get, now I used to be part of that, but I can't now. And you go, fair enough. I appreciate it. And you may even turn around and go, look, you're not involved in that now. But if I ever find something that I feel would be in your circle of influence, do you mind if I come back to you? And remember, the relationship you make today may not be one that can be utilized for two, three, four, ten years. But if you look at it for a quick gain, those are usually the weakest relationships. So always be open to see where doors open and keep those doors open. So I just literally got hold of people that can make the right phone calls, uh, make the, the right whisper in the ear. And um, when I asked the, uh, the, the Vatican to make the question, while they were doing that, I went to other people so that he would get the same request from about four different angles of, of credibility and respect so that I would be within that same model. They say that, you know, a credibility by association. If I've got five people that you respect telling you I'm brilliant, then I'm going to be credible before you've ever spoken to me. Okay, okay. So I guess I'm wondering, so with the message, there wasn't any sort of magic in it or brilliance in terms of the offer. Like, you know, hey, Pope Francis, I know you're big on mercy and the joy of the gospel and forming missionary disciples. And if you go here, there's none of that. It's just people making the introduction, hey? Exactly. Okay. I may know what you have an interest in, um, especially when you're working with a certain level. And we can, we can, we can brushstroke this with, with major celebrities, business icons from, from Elon Musk to Pope Francis. When you're up in that level, the easiest way for you to get a no is to contact these people and go, hey, how much is it going to cost me? Right. So I was kind of cheap in it. Like, uh, he is not for sale, Steve. How dare you? Oh, <laughs> you can guarantee you're, you're kicked off the line with the harping. <laughs> you need to do your homework. You need to either go in there in the situation of the Vatican, which is still one of the wealthiest cities um, in the world, the Vatican itself, and uh, as a country, as a designated uh, self-governed country. Um, but the, the, the bank of, of, of the Vatican is one of the wealthiest banks in the world. You can't go there and go, hey, I'll make this, I'll make this payment, I'll wire the They don't care. Uh, and so you've got to go in there and either find something they want or find someone they'll do it for. And so I have no idea what my people had done to have the respect that they did from the Vatican, but I made sure that the people asking the question had the ears and the attention of the people they were asking. And I'll do that with anyone. If I need to get hold of Richard Branson, Elon Musk, any of these people, I will make sure that the people that I'm talking with have that credibility and respect in the sandpit that when they reach out, they're listened to. Now, during that, I need to come up with, well, what's the win here? So, and it's very much easier with everyone else other than the Pope, but I may find out that they've got a book coming out, they've got a project coming out, they support a local school, they support a local cause, uh, they're big on a certain gar in their hometown. Um, you can research these things and go, hey, hey, I believe you're part of this such and such gala once a year in Dallas, Texas. And they can go, uh, yeah, this is what I'd like to do. You know I want something, but I'm going to tell you quickly what I can do for you. I can help promote that. I can help sell out half the arena. Would that be of interest? Mm -hmm. You know, so 
give them a win-win quickly that shows you've done a bit of homework. All right. That's good. That's good. Well, thanks for taking us through that pathway. And so maybe we need to back up a smidge. Could you give a little bit of context? You got a company, Bluefish, and a book that talks about a bit of your escapades with that company called Blue Fishing. What's the background story here? So I'm a, uh, as we've already said, if anyone over, I doubt by now anyone listening to this has thought that I'm a genius. Um, and that's good. I'm a bricklayer from East London that went from working on the door to becoming a concierge for the, for not the rich and famous, but the richer and unknown throughout the globe. You know, I'm a big deal in probably the top 3% of the world. Um, but my website doesn't even have a phone number on it. There's no way of contacting me unless you know someone who knows me. Ooh, I feel cool just talking to you now. <laughs> Ooh, how'd Pete do it? Well, you just got to know people who respect Steve Sims. That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, know <laughs> people who know people. Um, and it just grew. And then a couple of years ago, Simon Schuster asked me if I would do a book. And I've been offered to do a book. You know, I've been in the media um, many, many years. We're about 23 years old now. So, you know, we've been in every kind of publication worldwide you can think of. Um, but we never wanted to do a book exposing the clients. But this time, they, they actually said to me, well, no, 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 we don't want you talking about what you do for your clients. We want to know how you do it. How do you build up relationships? How do you create a win-win? How do you consult luxury brands and solopreneurs with the same passion and detail? So it was a great opportunity at the ripe old youthful age of 51 to just go, I'm going to talk about a bricklayer, how he gets to do this with Elon Musk and the steps it takes to create an irresistible relationship and to how to uh, solidify a message, to be completely transparent, to be impossible to misunderstand. All of those elements, because I'm a great believer that you can download an app now for everything from, from how to, how to wash a t-shirt to how to speak in Chinese, how to uh, calculate the, uh, the, the weight of a bridge based on a scan from a picture. You can get an app for anything now, but you still cannot get an app that will teach you how to communicate one human to another human. And people have actually called me a master communicator. I am not a gifted or mastered communicator. I am actually not a very good communicator at all, but I am looking exceptional because how bad everyone else is getting at it. All right. Well, that's a nice frame. So let's hear it. We heard a couple of the perspectives. Could you share a few more in terms of like the core principles and favorite tactics? Do your research. If there's someone that you really want to speak, it's, I'm a great believer that it's positioning. Everything in life is positioning. So if there's someone that you want to meet, whether it be romantically, business-wise, mentorship, uh, you're an idol, or whatever, but if it's someone significant enough that you want to get into a relationship with that person, that's the key. I'm not on about getting a selfie outside a bar at 12 o'clock at night in Hollywood. I'm on about a relationship. If you want to get a relationship with someone, do your homework. And the internet have given us the ability for you to be able to Google anyone. It could be the principal at your local school. It could be the real estate developer on a new uh, project. It could be the Pope himself. 
you can Google what they're interested in, where they're seen, what they're behind, what they support. And then in doing so, you can actually make sure that now that you've seen that they go to a lot of horse events and that they've a great love of equestrian, you can start hanging out in those circles. And then when you see them, you can make sure you go to the bar or you go to the restaurant or you, you, you sidle up next to them. And as you're doing something, you can go, Hey, that's a, that's a nice watch. Um, oh, sorry, you're so and so. Didn't I hear somewhere that you're a collector of watches? You know, drop a nugget in. There's nothing easier to get someone talking than when they're talking about themselves or something they love, which in some cases is the same thing. But if you can get them talking about, I'll say, Hey, I, I saw you in a magazine and you were with a Porsche. Um, why do you like vintage Porsches? I saw you were doing something with his vineyard. Uh, I like whiskey. Why do you like wine? You know, educate me for two seconds while we're getting a drink. Just do something like that to get them. It shows a commonality. It shows that um, you're actually being completely open. You're not trying to go, oh, I didn't recognize you. I didn't know who you were. Don't be an idiot. You're stood there. You're talking to the guy. They probably think that you're, you're you know, sniffing around in any case. So say to him, oh, you're so be very transparent, but be entertaining. I'm a great believer in all communication has to have the three E's. You have to be engaging, you have to be educational, and you have to be entertaining. Now, if you can have those three in any communication, whether it be a podcast or chatting up a, a person at the bar, if you've got those three things in there, then you're going to do well. Okay, very nice. Well, and so in the book, you lay out a few particular elements, such as the password. Can you unpack that a little bit in terms of what do you mean by the password and how do we get it? Yeah, this was a huge, you know, intelligent idea of ours. Um, we started throwing parties in Hong Kong, me and this uh, fellow meathead that I worked on the door with. And we, we invited rich people to come to them because guess what? Poor people can't afford you. So... Quite simply, I invited rich people because I can make money out of rich people. And I thought to myself, but I don't want to be inviting problems to the club. I don't want some arrogant git turning up at the door and demeaning everyone and being disrespectful. So what we did was we came up with this really silly, and it is silly, little principle, this little game. What we would do, and this was back in the 90s, the age of the facts, we would fax them where the location of the bar was, um, what time the party started, and the password. And what we thought was if you're humble and solid enough, confident enough to quote a silly phrase, that's the person we want. We want the people that are up for a laugh. We don't want the arrogant person turning up going, I'm on the list, let me in, you're wasting my time. I want the people that are there for a bit of a giggle. So we used to make up the stupidest passwords. We had um, finished this sentence, one fish, two fish, red fish. So people would walk up to us and go, blue fish, and we'd let them in. That's where the company name came from. That's how deep we are. It literally came from a password that we used repetitively. But we would also come up with one and say to people, name two of the Teletubbies. <laughs> so you'd have like the, the, the head of an airline come up to you or the owner of a bank and go, Tinky Winky Poe. And we'd say, in you go, enjoy your night. And it was just a really good way. But we got people turned up going, 
oh, I don't know the password. Let me in. And we'd sit there and we'd stand there and we'd be like, there's no party here, mate. No, nope, no, nope, sorry, you must be at the wrong place. And the whole party's going off behind us. There's people in a lineup and we would just dismiss them and get rid of them. And then the next person would step in and go, you know, tinky winky. And we'd go, here you go, enjoy yourself. So we noticed that if we had a password, if we had a hurdle, if we had something that you had to do, even if it made you slightly uncomfortable, you were more committed and loyal once you were on the other side of it. And so we've had passwords at many of our events. I work with uh, Sir Elton John at his Oscar party every year. We have a pre-party on a Friday. We use the exact same thing. We have a password. We've got these people from all over the world in black ties and ball gowns that have paid a serious amount of money, you know, a small car to go to one of my events. And they're not getting in the door still unless they're humble enough to just kind of like say this funny password and we let them in. It's all a state of mind and a position. You know, that's fascinating. I, this reminds me, <laughs> I I had a client once, he'll remain nameless, and uh, he was a psychiatry student. And he would have parties in which at the front of the door, he would have a handful of pills. And he'd say, well, you got to take one of the pills to go into the party. <laughs> and, it was, and so like folks are like, uh, no, thanks, you know, would go away. And versus the person who did were, you know, they're like, this is an adventurous, bold person. And that's what we're going for here. Now, all of the pills were placebos and uh, that could probably get him in some trouble with the review board. So he'll remain nameless, but <laughs> <laughs> it has a similar effect, you know, for good or for evil <laughs> of the filtration there. Yeah, yeah, I'm a great believer on the filter. You know, even when we get, um, even when we get people actually try and join any of my groups, like I have a, 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 I have a very successful consulting practice. I interview every single person that I'm going to consult before I go into a consultation. Um, I want to make sure it's the right fit. And as I openly say, and I don't want to offend anyone, our souls don't get better with time. So if you take someone into your company, even if you take them on board as a client, if they're a dickhead when they come into your company, they're only going to become a bigger dickhead during the company. So try to be careful of the people you take into your into your group, into your circle, into your life. Okay, very nice. Well, there's a few more elements I want to make sure to cover. So you talked about making yourself impossible to misunderstand. What does that look like in practice and how do people screw that up? Um, so there's this word at the moment going around that I absolutely despise called authenticity. And people go, oh, he's so authentic. That's ridiculous. It's like looking at someone and go, oh, he's breathing, he's walking. It should be, it should be something that we take for granted and we don't draw uh, focus to. But now authenticity, because we live in an insta-perfect life, authenticity is something we strive to find. I'm a great believer in something called transparency. Now, I'm also a great believer that my stomach is far smarter than my head. So when you meet someone, you look at the suit. Whether or not you think you do, you do. You look at the car, you look at the key ring, you look at the jewelry, you look at the watch, the shoes, the belt. You look at the whole makeup of that person, even if it's in nanoseconds, and you look at that person to judge, friend or foe, can I trust them? Is this someone I want to hang around with? And that's your mental perspective. And then your stomach gets those little butterflies. You know, the guy's talking a bit too much here. 
I'm not quite sure I believe what he's saying. And you get those little butterflies. I'm a great believer that forget your head, forget the visuals. If you've got butterflies, move away. You know, get away from someone. So I'm a great believer in um, talking to people, trying to use transparency in the communication. And the easiest way to do that is to be, and, and I'm going to quote a sentence here from Brian Kurtz and Joe Polish, there's a difference between being easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand. So if I'm speaking with someone, I'm going to say something along the lines of, hey, Pete, it's, uh, I've heard about your show. It sounds like a fantastic show. I don't know too much about it. Don't lie. I don't know too much about it, but I've had enough people tell me that I should chat with you in order to be on your show. Is that something that you're open to pursuing? And have a kind, be as, be as blunt and as bold as that. Don't go up and go, oh, Pete, you know, I, you, you, I'm your greatest fan. Like, oh, what, what's the chances? You know, if you don't mind, if it wouldn't be an inconvenience, that's all fluff. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be crystal clear when I go up to, um, you know, iconic people that I've just started working with or I want to work with. I've been in situations where I've been at a party and I know someone has contacted someone else and introduced me, but I haven't yet been able to speak to them. So I'll go up to them and I go, are you, are you Roger Sutton? And they'll go, oh, yes, sir. my name's Steve Sims. I believe someone's already reached out to you. If it's of interest to you, I look forward to making communication with you. But I just wanted to say I'm here. I'm actually going to go over and grab a drink. If you've got the time, would you like to join me? If not, we'll talk another time. All right. And just keep things real, bold, and direct. And don't waste your time. You'll be surprised that when you're that uh, polite but very transparent, I've never had anyone go, I'll get back to you. I have always, when I've approached it like that, I've had them go, well, I need a drink. Yeah, let's just grab a drink together. And Okay, fine. And then we've got over and we've ended up having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. Whenever you get into any relationship, you've got to look at the relationship and go, look, is this a fad or is this an oak tree? Now, I look at every relationship with those two questions. Is this person here to help me with this project or is this someone that I want to grow a lengthy relationship with? I could know a cool catering company in, say, Paraguay and know that more likely I'm not going to be there again and I can go, thank you so much, it's been wonderful. But there may not be any need to invest any further in that relationship. And then there'll be someone I meet that I go, hey, I really want to be. And that's when I look at them as an oak tree. And when I say an oak tree, an oak tree starts off as a little seed. It can be stamped on, it can be crushed, it can die of starvation. To become an oak tree, you have to water it, nurture it, prune it, protect it. To the time that it's a 300-year-old oak tree and you can run a bus into it and it will still be standing. That's a relationship. Relationships are not by sending someone a Christmas card every year. You've got to prune them. You've got to massage them. You've got to feed them. You've got to protect them. You've got to put energy into anything worth its weight in gold. And that's why I say when you meet someone, is this a fad or is this an oak tree? That's how I look at every relationship. Oh, I like that perspective. And as you relay that scenario in which you're interacting with someone who's, I don't know, high status or influential or super busy or maybe annoyed (laughs) that you're approaching them, (laughs) you've got a turn of a phrase about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. How's that done in practice? Well, as I said to you at the beginning, I don't know 90% of what I'm doing. Um, I've had people ask me to close down museums and have Andrea Bocelli serenade them. 
I've asked people to have, uh, ask me to send them down to the Titanic. Where do you start? With the same as everything. You start at the beginning. Um, I There was a period in my life when I was starting to do more and more of this stuff that I would sit there and almost do a little jiggle of a spot and go, Oh my God, what am I going to do now? And in my, in my, my, my insides, my little leprechaun's just dancing around going, well, what's going to happen? I don't know what I'm going to do next. But then I suddenly got used to the fact that most people don't know what to do. And I got comfortable with, hang on a minute. Why don't I ask people? Do you have any idea what would need to happen in order for this to happen? Have you ever done anything like this? And if so, what can I do to emulate it? You know, so. I started asking questions and I found the more that I ventured out is the classic elastic band. The more you stretch, you never go back to your original shape. I've been uncomfortable many, many, many times. And my, my dad actually, and it's in my book, my dad actually said to me many years ago, and it's probably one of my, my fondest quotes. At the age of 16, I had no idea, like all kids, no idea what my dad was talking about. I remember my dad looking at me one day and just going, Son, no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. And then he walked off. And I remember the age of 16 going, what the bloody hell was that about? And it hasn't been until my later years that I've realized that if you're not getting the answer you want, try a different answer, uh, uh, try a different question, or try the same question with a different person. But if you keep trying to do the exact same thing you're doing and you keep getting the same result that you're getting, that's where you're going to drown. Mm-hmm. And you talk about asking three times. What's the thought process there? Yeah, a lot of people, if you, they will come to me. They will see me in the newspaper. They will read a book. They will see me on speaking gigs. And they want to do something. But there's a great deal of humiliation that stops most people actually getting to do what they want to do. So they will come to me and they may want to do something big and grand, but they're actually scared of humiliation. In fact, most people don't do things, not for the fear of failure, but for the fear of being laughed at. And people come to me and they go, Oh, I'd really like to, uh, you know, just, just shake the hands of so I'd really like to, you know, to meet. They want to do more than that, but they're scared of it. So you just go, Oh, right. And you just let them talk. And then you go, Hi, um, why do you want to do that? And literally just ask why and shut up. And then they will go, oh, well, you know, this happened in my life and this happened and they were there and it supported me. And, you know, I just felt that that would be a good chance. Oh, that's great. Oh, so there's quite a bit of meaning to it. It's not just a quick thought you've come up with. Oh, no, no, no. I've had this dream for a while. Okay. So you're telling me that you've had this dream for a while, but you shaking their hands is that really going to be the, the the crescendo to the end of this movie? You know, is that going to be, you know, case closed, end of chapter? Would, would that really be significant? Is there something that we could do that would really get you excited and basically wake you up at 2 o'clock in the morning going, holy hell, I can't believe I did that? And that's each time you ask it, you start to unlock them a little bit more and you get closer and closer. And in the end, you're prodding the hot button. And when you're there, you actually can just play with it and find it. And if someone's really passionate about something, I had to say it, but I'll sell their firstborn to get it. Really dive into what's important to them. Never take the first answer because what people say and what they mean quite often are two different things. 
And if it's about the fantastical and the whimsical and the passion, nine times out of ten, they're too shy to really expose to you what it is in case you'll laugh at them. And you you know what I look like. I'm a, I'm a big, ugly fella. <laughs> a lot of people now openly tell me what they like because they know the amount of people I work with and they know how credible I am at doing what I do. But a lot of people for many years were very cautious and scared and apprehensive about basically what is unveiling yourself to expose what you're really excited about. Yeah, that's powerful, particularly that early on. You know, I just met you in terms of there's a certain level of, of vulnerability or exposure that is just uncomfortable for folks so they don't quite go there. Yes, yes, exactly. You're, you're, you're right. And you've just got, you've got to help them. You, you've, got to, you've got to ask the questions, you know, is this going to do it? Why do you want to do that? Hey, I'm here for you. Let me in. Tell me why you're stood here in front. I've had people that have had like, you know, they've, they've had the whiskeys at night. They've texted me at one o'clock in the morning or phoned me, left a message. Steve, I want to talk to you about doing this because I really want to do it. And then when you speak to them in the morning, the drink's worn off and they're a little bit more embarrassed about actually fully exposing it. Which, to be honest with you, also is great news for me because it makes me look like a rock star when I've exceeded what you first asked for. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Steve, tell me, anything else you really want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? No, I just want people to, to get out of their own way. Basically, get that saying that I said about drowning in the water, write it down on a piece of paper, and don't be one of those people that, that drown by staring at things too much. Just keep moving. But um, no, I, let, let's continue with the podcast. All right, then. Well, tell me, could you share a favorite quote? And maybe you already did, something that you find inspiring. <laughs> that one... That one was probably one of my most favorite. One of mine that I probably use most regular is I ask myself whenever I'm doing anything that's copy or writing, is this impossible to misunderstand? Um, so I use that one. That's, that's more of a working quote that I use to myself you know, a thousand times a day whenever I write to someone. Is my message to them impossible to misunderstand? Beautiful, thanks. And how about a favorite book? What, apart from mine? Um, <laughs> um, I'm actually a funny reader. Uh, I don't... Books aggravate the hell out of me. Joe Polish sends me a load of books. Um, I get very aggravated because he says, as he says, aggravated oysters make pearls. When I'm reading a motivational book by like, you know, Ryan, Ryan, Law, uh, Ryan Holiday or Tucker Max or Cameron Howard or any of these people, Tim Ferriss, I get aggravated because I'm like, oh, I've got to do that. I've got to make some notes. I find myself getting agitated. So when I do like to read, I like to escape. I really like the Dragon Tattoo books, uh, the trilogy that they did. I really like anything by Dan Brown, you know, like the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. So I like to escape my world when I read. And otherwise, I'll audio book any of the ones I know I'm going to get aggravated by. All right. And how about a favorite tool? Something that helps you be awesome at your job. I'm actually talking to you from the garage of my motorcycles, um, and I collect motorcycles. So my favorite tool is to jump on two wheels and escape. That's my safe zone. When you're on a bike, when you're on a bike, when you're playing golf, when you're water skiing, when you're doing kickboxing, when you're doing yoga, you can't be thinking about anything else. That's my meditation. That's my escape. So my favorite tool is two wheels going around the canyons. Oh, thank you. Any other favorite habits? Ah, uh, whiskey, hugging my wife, and barbecuing badly. 
<laughs> gotcha. And tell me, is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with people when you are sharing your message? Yeah. So um, I'm a great believer, and this is usually in my consulting gigs and in my speaking, I'm a great believer in keeping things ugly. We've become too photoshopped and we're living in an insta-perfect world all the time. Every time you see anything, you look at someone and you suddenly realize that the girl's actually 12 foot tall and the legs are nine foot. We've got used to seeing things that aren't real anymore. You'll look at a real estate advert and you'll see a beautiful apartment building and the apartment building just happens to have left out all the other buildings around it and shown this big sunset and a picture of the ocean in it. And uh, it's in Minneapolis or Chicago. It's not even near the ocean. Um, so you can't trust what you can see nowadays. So I'm a great believer in, you know, hashtag filter free. Don't filter stuff. If you want to write something, try handwriting it. Instead of typing the letter, handwrite the letter. A minimum, handwrite the envelope. Use text more. Use video texted more. But do things that expose you in your full content, not just shouting and yelling a message. I once had a guy yell at me because he had texted me or messaged me on Twitter and I hadn't responded. <laughs> and that's not communication. Communication is two people in front of each other going, this, this, and it's a, it's a back and forth, back and forth. It's not throwing a message out there and hoping someone responds. All right. So my terminology with that is keep things ugly, raw, and real. Thank you. And do you have a particular place you'd point people to if they want to learn more or get in touch? Uh, I've got a website with all my ramblings and rants called Steve D. Sims, S-I-M-S, that's stevedsims.com. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks who are seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, do something that arouses you. Um, I want you to mm. something that you haven't done that just excites you and just kind of like would make you wake up at two o'clock in the morning going, holy hell, I did that today and do it. That's awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for sharing this. It's exciting, opening a world of new ideas and possibilities and boldness. It's been a lot of fun. I wish you and Bluefish tons of luck. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. I got a real kick out of Steve's question there. What needs to happen for this to unfold? And it's funny because it already presumes that it is possible. And then if someone says something just sort of crazily out of the box or out of the ordinary for what they think is acceptable, you can just say, okay, that's cool. Like, what would have to happen for this? You'd be like, <laughs> you'd have to triple my pay. Okay, that's done. Now what? It's like, oh, wow. And suddenly what's impossible becomes possible by zeroing in on precisely, you know, what's the potential gap, the leverage point. I also got a real kick out of the password bit. And I've been thinking more and more about, I've been getting so many LinkedIn requests lately from folks whose names I don't recognize at all. And I'm kind of torn because it's like, well, hey, if it's a podcast listener, I totally want to connect with you on LinkedIn. So please feel free, go ahead and add me. But if it's just sort of a random person who's, you know, this is the opening to uh, sort of a sales marketing funnel situation, then I don't really care to entertain that and embark upon that. So maybe we should have a password for LinkedIn requests. Please find me, Pete Mikaitis on LinkedIn and add me. And for the password, let's just say to make it kind of fun, I need you to give me a line from a boy band song. So in sync, Backstreet Boys, 98 degrees, it can be whatever. You could be, I don't want to be a player in this game for two. <laughs> Uh, you may hate me, but it ain't no lie, baby. Bye, bye, bye. Whatever. Something kind of fun. So I know, oh, okay. Okay. You're an insider. You get it. You are a listener 
and you're finding me on LinkedIn because I do. I want to connect with you, hear what you're digging in the show, what you're not so much digging in the show, guest recommendations, maybe there's some connections that need to happen. So that'd be fun. So anywho, good stuff from Steve. And I hope you'll catch us for next episode. If you push subscribe, you'll be sure to catch that in all of them. And we're talking to a dork. His name is Pete Mikaitis. And he's been doing a ton of research lately on how to make the decision for whether or not you stay or you go in your current role. So he's going to walk through eight key questions and at last share some of his favorite things because he's always asking and rarely telling. And I'll shift into the first person now. Yeah, I hope to catch you on the extended solo episode next time. Should be a fun one to reveal some of the fruits of my research. Hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.